Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's word and consider how it applies to our lives. This is the part of the service where we open God's word. And this is the part of the service where we proclaim what his word actually says. Now, most people have some background and know what kind of what happens in church, but to some of you who are new to us, you may not know that that's what we do. We preach what the Bible says, and that's our goal. Even if the pastor is ineffective and boring, not that wouldn't happen here, but sometimes. <laughs> I won't be boring. I may not be any good, but I'm trying to be boring. Um, if we can just say what God's Word says, and as a congregation, as people who are gathered, the Holy Spirit's in that. And I want you to expect that as we open God's Word today. Don't come, please don't come just to get knowledge or information or even self-help, but come to connect with the God of the Bible who is real. And who is here. Let's enjoy his presence this morning. Our theme this year is to make him known. That's our goal as a church. We want to make Jesus known to our community and to our world. We don't need to have a bunch of debates. We don't need to convince people. All we need to really do is make him known. And there's three parts of that for us. We want to, first of all, have to know Jesus, right? We want to know Jesus, and that's my hope and prayer for you today. And if you haven't begun that journey, we would love to talk to you after the service, help you on that journey. We believe following Jesus is a journey. It does have a starting point, but it is a journey. If you just started and you never went anywhere, I'm not sure that you're on a journey with him. You may be missing out. So we want to know Jesus, and we want to know others. We want to know others. We want to connect with others. We want to care for others. We want to communicate with others. And we want to intentionally then, based on knowing Jesus and knowing others, we want to make him known and do some very intentional things to do that. That's what we're all about this year. That's what we're always all about as a church. Well, this morning, kind of as a case study, for the next five weeks, we're going to look at the book of Jonah the book of Jonah in a series called Engaging the Culture. I know what a lot of you are thinking. You're thinking that I know the story of Jonah and it's basically a big fish story, right? And so I already can do the flannel graphs from Bible school. I know exactly what's going to happen. I don't really see how this helps me. I want you to notice the message of Jonah is far more than the story of a whale. It's the story of a man of God and his struggle to answer the call. That's really what it is. It's his struggle to answer the call to engage the culture. And so when you think of, okay, Steve, I know I'm supposed to make him known. How am I going to do that? We're going to look for the next five weeks at Jonah's struggle to answer the call and God's sovereignty in that. So as we do, you may, I would love for you to turn in your Bibles. If you have an actual book, this is, called a, this is called a book Bible. I don't know if some of you may know what, know what these are, but they're actual books, and they're bound, and they're with paper in them and stuff. But if you have an electronic version, that's awesome too. 
uh, that works. You can turn to that. I love for you to open the actual Word of God and have it on or open so that it becomes a pattern for you. That I look in God's Word. I want to know God's Word. I want to take in God's Word. Yes, it will be on the screen. Love for you to have it in your lap. We generally use the English Standard Version here, if you're wondering. Uh, that's on uh, version, and uh, you can find it a lot of places. But the book of Jonah, we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 today. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Let me ask you, where do you go to get away? Where do you go to, man, I just need to reset. I need to, to kind of rethink some things. Maybe life has been stressful. Maybe you're already into the first month of the year and you're thinking, man, I'm already tired. I thought I got rested up over the break, but now I'm already worn out. I need to just get away. I need a break. I need to go somewhere to kind of disconnect. Where is that? For me, it could be virtually anywhere. I mean, it's just, it's just good to get out of town sometimes, right? Just to kind of reset your brain and, and rethink. Uh, I can even go as close as Stewart, and that's good for me. That's only an hour. You're out of Palm Beach County. You're just in a different place. It feels good. Uh, but I could also go as far away as Colorado, where we have a son who lives there. I love that because that feels really different, right? They have these things out there that are called mountains. Don't know if you've seen them. Something about going from ocean to mountains really does it for me, right? To go from this, this beautiful landscape that we have, this incredible plantings and, and ocean. It's incredible. If you were out there yesterday, absolutely gorgeous day. Um, we need to enjoy that. But to get away and to go to someplace totally different can be really helpful. Unless what you're doing is trying to get away from doing something you know you need to do. We do that too. It's called escapism, right? I want to get away because I, I, I really don't want to deal with this. And it's a classic example. You know the story of like a couple, they're about to go bankrupt, so they go on a vacation. Really expensive one. So at least while we're gone, we won't have to think about the fact that we may not have a house to come back to, right? Kind of, I don't really want to deal with it. When I was in college, I had a roommate in engineering school which, I don't know if you know this, it's really difficult, turns out, who knew? Um, and my roommate, we would study every night. I know that's unusual for college students, but um, we, would, we would come and we would study every night. But my friend, he, he kept walking by his desk. He's like, there it is. Well, I should sit down, but, you know, I really need to go do this. And I heard Letterman's on and MASH is on. That's dating ourselves, right? Um, he could not sit down and get at what he really needed to do. He was an escapist, and he didn't make it. I mean, he's still alive, as far as I know, but he got kicked out of school. He couldn't do the thing that he needed to do. In sales, that's called call reluctance. If you've ever been in sales, that's that, I don't really want to make the call. I can't pick up the phone. I can't go do the thing I really need to do because I'm doing some other stuff. There's some important stuff I need to do. I'm just not going to do what I really must do do. And that's where Jonah finds himself. And that's where a lot of us find ourselves spiritually. So I want you to look for yourselves as we look at these verses in Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to read the passage and then we'll go back and look at it verse by verse. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying, Arise, 
Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. It's a stunning story in those four verses. There's a whole lot going on and a whole lot of things we need to see about God and his call and our response to it. Look first at verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Notice that God does speak. God does speak. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. God has a way of communicating with his people. And you may say, well, how does that work? I don't understand. I thought God really kind of wound up the world, and then he went away to see what was going to happen. I'm kind of a deist. That's called a deistic view. No, God does speak. And in Jonah's day, the way that God generally spoke was through prophets. You may say, well, how did he do that? Did he have, did they have earbuds in? Um, what was it? Was it on a podcast? How did God speak to people? Did he speak audibly? The answer is very simple. I don't know. I just know that he spoke. Sometimes we know he did speak audibly. Sometimes he wrote on tablets or on walls. Sometimes he even used animals. You can look that up. But God does speak. And for us, he's spoken through this, most definitely. If you ever want to know what God says about something, what God wants, read his word. He's given us 66 books for us to read about what he has said. God speaks through his word. He also speaks through prayer. He also can speak through the church and even through circumstances. But the number one thing you need to be concerned about is God has given us this word. Everything has to match and line up with God's word. He has spoken. And in Jonah's day, he was still speaking scripture, and he was still speaking through prophets. And that's what he is doing here. When you think about God's word, you have to ask yourself, what place does God's word have in my life? What place does his word have in my life? Is he a God that his word needs to be listened to? Because how you see God's word is how you see God. And if this really isn't very important to you, I don't think God is really the one and only God to you, right? If this matters to you, and if you're ready to line your life with this word, he is God. But if, on the other hand, you say, well, these are really more like suggestions, this really doesn't matter, he's probably not your God. It's really important to look at that and analyze that. God speaks to and through his people. And how you see God's word tells you where you are with him. And here's Jonah, the son of Amittai. Jonah is a known prophet, 2 Kings 14 
has God speaking to his people through Jonah. He is a real person. Jesus himself refers to Jonah and the story, and this very story, as, as though it really happened, that Jonah is a real person. Some would say, well, no, Jonah is a myth. It's a story. It didn't really happen. No one could be swallowed by a fish and survive, but actually people have been swallowed by fish and survived. There's evidence of that. There's stories of that. But Jesus himself said, no, Jonah's a real person. The story of Jonah matters, and it's a real thing. So we have to ask ourselves, where are we with God's word? Does it matter? And do I need to align myself with his word? What does your life say? Let's just stop for a moment and answer this question. What does your life say about what you believe about God's word? Is it lined up? Because he's about to speak to us, and we need to decide whether we're going to listen or not. Will you listen, and will you adjust your life to God's word? Verse 2. God says this, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Pretty clear, right? Jonah, arise, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to cry out against it. I've had enough. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. It's really interesting, and this would be, you would think this would kind of be like red meat for Jonah. He's a prophet. I get to go cry out against a great city. I get to deliver God's word. Man, I'm excited. I'm going to go. I'm going to tell those people how awful they are, right? I'm going I'm to cry out against them. This is going to be amazing. Oh, but there's some issues we need to see in this passage. And why that might not have been Jonah's first thought. First of all, we have to understand what Nineveh is. The whole book of Nahum in the Old Testament talks about the fall of Nineveh, capital of Assyria. Nineveh at the time was really the capital of the rising power Assyria, world superpower. They were dominating the region. Nineveh was a walled city. It was a powerful place. They had an amazing water system of canals, that get, which was really state-of-the-art at the time, that kept the whole city hydrated. Um, it was a great city with incredible architecture, huge buildings, temples to their gods that were amazing. It was a great city. It was very large. Arise, go to Nineveh. And call out against it, for their evil has come up against me. And think about this. How evil did they have to be for God to know about it? Sometimes, again, people think, well, God doesn't care about evil. Look at all that he lets happen. Look at the evil that's happened in my own life. Why does, why does Nineveh's evil come up before God that it sounds like he's about to do something to Nineveh? He's about to judge them. Know this, two things. God is very aware of evil. Never doubt that God is very aware of evil, and God does limit evil. God does limit evil. He says, the evil of Nineveh has come up before me. In other words, I've become, it's so bad, I'm going to have to do something about it. And you may wonder, what was their evil? What did they do? Well, they were incredibly brutal people. 
to their enemies, they would cut off their lips and fingers. They would, fl- they, would, they would slice people open, right in the open. They would do all kinds of evil, brutal things. They were also incredibly promiscuous. Prostitution was rife throughout the whole area. It was a very, very evil place. They had multiple gods. They had a huge pantheon of gods that they worshipped and lots of temples. They didn't worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were incredibly evil and oppressive and fearful people. So think about that if you're Jonah. Jonah, go to these evil, vicious, violent, promiscuous people and cry out against them and tell them how wrong they are. Uh, Yeah, that sounds really good for Zechariah, I think, would be the best guy to go do that. Isaac, I think, Isaiah, I think he's still around at the time. I think they would would like to go. That's 500 miles. It would be a nice trip for them. Um, Set them up in the Hyatt over there. That's going to be nice. It's going to be good. You know, do a tent revival. Um, No thanks. Nineveh's evil. God assigns Jonah to go and cry out against it. And for us, that sounds kind of odd. You know, so what, you're going to go outside their house, you're going to start screaming and yelling, you're going to be a nut. Well, here's what it meant. Remember, in those days, the news was verbal, mostly. So someone would come to town, and they would literally shout out the news, you know. Hey, here's what happened. This is what's going on. And they would, they would give the news in that way. And preachers would do the same thing. They would give God's message in that way. And they would show up, and they would just start speaking God's word in a very powerful way way in a public place. And what he's saying is, I want you to go cry out against them. Tell them their evils come up before God. Tell them that God's had enough and warn them. Something that's really important for us to see. This would serve as a warning to a city that the people of Israel really feared and probably hated. That's the stage that is set for verse 3. And this is where the main action of this passage takes place. Look with me at verse 3. Remember, Jonah was told to arise and go to Nineveh. Watch what he does. And Jonah rose. Okay, we're doing good so far. We're standing up. We got out of bed. We got off our couch. Uh, We quit streaming the crown, whatever it is we were doing. He rose, and what happens? To flee to Tarshish. That doesn't sound at all like Nineveh, does it? To flee to Tarshish. And get this, and this should break your heart. From the presence of the Lord. We talked about presence earlier. He said, I'm going to flee from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Wow. Can you really get away from the presence of the Lord? Psalm 139 says, where can I go to flee from your presence, O Lord? If I, if I go out into the dark, if I go out into the deep, even you are there and the dark is like night, is like light to you, nothing is dark to you, I can't ever get away from your presence. But there is a special presence of God, isn't there? We know that God exists everywhere and he's omnipresent. We also know that he is especially present some places at some times. 
most notably when God's people gather. Because God said, I'll come and live with you. Remember, we talked about that last week. God, I'm going to come live with you. Those who keep my commandments, who love me, who love others, I'm going to come live with you. So the place where God's people gather, God is there. And in those days, there was a temple in Jerusalem, and that was the place that God had said, I'm going to meet with my people. And that's from there, I'm going to carry out my purpose to redeem my people, to redeem the world. And Jonah says, I'm out of here. I want to get away from your presence, Lord. Have you ever tried to get away from God's presence? He's saying to God, I don't like your assignment. I don't like what you're telling me to do, so I'm headed to Tarshish. I love how the scripture says that he went down to Joppa and he went down into the ship. The literally picture is that once he arises to disobey God, he's just going down. And indeed, we're going to find out in the next chapter, later in this chapter, that he goes way down, right? Before he gets swallowed. Anytime that we leave the presence of the Lord, know this, we're going down in every sense of the word. Every time we leave the presence of and the purpose, because those two are connected, right? The purpose and the presence of God are, are connected, right? If you're in his presence, if you're wanting to align yourself with him, you're aligning yourself with what he wants to do. It's interesting, some people will say, i, I got to camp on this for just a moment. You know, I just want to be with God. I want to know his warmth. I want to know his comfort. I want to know his security but I don't want to do what he's telling me to do. It doesn't work like that. If you're going to be in God's presence, you have to embrace God's purpose. And that's what Jonah is running from. So he goes to Tarshish, and you may say, well, where is Tarshish? What does that mean? Why is Tarshish such a big deal? Why, is, why does the Bible say in verse 3, he's used Tarshish three times, and I know enough about Scripture that when something is mentioned repetitively three times, that's a big deal. He's trying to make me see he went to Tarshish. I don't even know where that is. Well, Tarshish was in southern Spain. I want you to think about your geography right now. We're talking about ancient Near East, Israel. Nineveh is 500 miles to the northeast. It's in the modern city of Mosul, just so you, you know your, your Middle East geography. Tarshish is 2,000 miles to the west. So here's what Jonah is saying. I'm not only going to run from you, Lord, I'm going to go in the opposite direction as far as I possibly can go because Spain was the edge of the known world, right? Once you left Spain, you probably dropped off the edge of the map, right? And if you're a flat earther, you may think that still that might be happening. Um, but basically, that was the edge of the known world. To get to Spain was the most out there place, the most far away from God place. And I would say this, it's the most exotic place. It's the most exotic place. It's where all kinds of cool stuff is probably happening. It's the cutting edge world. And he's saying, Jonah's saying, I'm just going to get away, and I'm going to go someplace cool. I'm probably going to go someplace also where I can be anonymous. Right? No one will have heard of me in Tarshish. Really important to get that in our minds. I'm not going to go where you want me to go, Lord. I'm going in the opposite direction. 
I'm going to Tarshish. I want to get away from the presence of the Lord. You ever felt like that? You ever felt that God wanted you to go to Nineveh, but you went to Tarshish? There's probably three good reasons why Jonah may have made this move. And understand, this was Jonah's life and career, right? It wasn't just, it wasn't just a hobby that he had. It wasn't just a part-time. This was who he was, a prophet of God's word. To go against God was a big, big deal. He had to have some serious reasons. The first reason may have been that he was probably a little bit afraid, right? I'm going to walk into a city that's brutal, that's scary, that's violent, that doesn't like me, doesn't like my people. In fact, in 40 years or so, they will conquer Israel. They are the most powerful nation at this point. He's probably a little bit afraid. I wonder for you, are you afraid to go to Nineveh? Is there a people, a group of people, a type of person that you're afraid to talk to? that you really don't want to know. And you're afraid what they may say or what they may do or how they may characterize you or how it may look. You say, I'm afraid to go to Nineveh because I'm concerned. Maybe your coworker is a part of the LGBTQ community and you're saying, I don't know how to engage that. Listen, don't be afraid. You don't have to convince. You just have to represent, amen? You just be obedient and loving. Present the message of Jesus. Don't be afraid. He may have been afraid. He also may have thought, you know what? It's not going to matter. They've got their own gods. They've already decided who they're going to be. They have decided what they're going to be. It doesn't matter. I can't really do anything about it. So why am I going over there? You may feel that way about people. You know, they've already made their decision. They have their religion. They're this or they're that. They're Jewish. They're Muslim. They're Jehovah's Witness. Whatever it is, listen. Again, your job's not to convince, your job's to be faithful. Jonah's job was not to go, hey, Nineveh, I'm going to try to save you. His job was to warn of the destruction to come. But the biggest reason, the biggest reason that I believe Jonah said, I don't want to go to Nineveh, is Jonah hated him. He hated him so much. He didn't want God to rescue him from their awful lifestyle, from the misery that they were in. He didn't want God to rescue them. He wanted God to destroy them. And we'll see that in the later chapters. Jonah says, this is is the last straw, God. I don't want you to save those people. God, I want you to save our people. We're in danger here. Why are we going to the enemy? Are there people that you hate and don't want God to save and that you really don't want God to have an impact on their life? See, it really starts there. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. To love as yourself. That's why we run from Nineveh. We're afraid. We are, don't think it's going to matter. And maybe we just really don't love them. 
And so we find ourselves on a ship to Tarshish. Now let's talk about what that looks like. What is it like to go to Tarshish? What does that represent? Well, let me just give you the big one up front, and we'll talk about a few more. Here's what it means to be on the way to Tarshish. The first of all, you say, you know what? I've got some sin in my life, Steve, that I don't want to change. There's something in my life that if I go talk to someone else, and if I, if I try to love them the way Jesus did, and if I, I try to share the amazing message of Christ, they're going to go, yeah, but I know you're the doing this. And you're going to feel so guilty when you start to love someone the way Jesus loved. Let me tell you something. You need to repent. Don't find yourself on a ship that's being destroyed in the sea because of some sin you won't give up. Could be a lifestyle sin. Could be an attitude sin. Could be an overt tendency to do things that you know God would not appreciate, would not approve of. Let me ask you, do you feel too guilty to be used by God? The only reason we're guilty is because we're guilty. That's why Jesus came to die for us. You need to live in repentance and that joy of saying, God, I'm so glad you've forgiven me. I got some stuff I've done, but praise God, you died for people just like me, and I want to live in the reality of your love and your grace, and I want to share that. That's going to be amazing. God, let me do that find yourself on a boat in a storm, your first question is, is there sin in my life? Or it may be for you that you're just too busy and you haven't structured your life in order to be effective for Jesus. Haven't taken the time. You know what? It takes a while to get to Nineveh. 500 miles. That's a long way to go at about a 20 mile a day pace if you had an animal or something to ride on. I mean, it's a long, it's a, it's a, it's work to get there, right? Are you too busy? trying to build your career, you're working hard, and you never really have time to have that conversation. You never really have time to build those relationships. You never really have time to serve in a church like this, even on a rotational basis. You just don't have time because your life is in Tarshish. Your life is somewhere else other than where God wants it to be. Let me ask you, are you too busy or maybe the next thing behind that is I've just got too many interests. I've got too many stuff, things going. I travel all the time or, you know, I, I just I have, I have great hobbies that I do. You know, I, I love to surf. I love to work out. I love to, to cook. I love to work on stuff. I have all kinds of stuff going on. I really just don't have time. To, actually, those hobbies can be great entrance for, to share Christ if you will structure them in that way and not structure your life to achieve some purpose other than what God has called you to do which is to go to Nineveh. What's keeping you in Tarshish? What do you, what are you drawn to when things get hard? What do you think, oh, this is, this is my escape thought. This is, this is my escape thing that I do instead of doing what God has called me to do, which is to be focused on going to Nineveh. What is your Tarshish? I love it that when he heads to Tarshish, God throws out a storm. Verse 4 says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. This is serious business. We're on the Mediterranean Sea at this point. There's a big storm that comes up. It's a wooden boat. It's about to fall apart. Have you ever had God reach down and stop you? 
and he just reached down and you feel that cold, clammy hand or something on the back of your neck thinking, man, I got to turn around. This is, gonna, this is going badly. You've heard me tell this story before, but I remember when I was in high school, I, I had a date with a girl. She was a moral girl, a nice girl. She wasn't a follower of Jesus. And I knew that God didn't want me to go in that direction, even at 18. And I was going to go out with her anyway. And so I was going to go tell my friend, hey, I got a date with this girl that you, you told me about, and this is going to be great. And I pulled into my friend's parking lot of the business he was managing, and I, I had a stick shift. And in Missouri, they have those things known as sloping driveways and hills. I don't know if you know about that, but uh, here in Florida, we don't have them. So it's great. You don't need to, your emergency brake or anything. You can just park anywhere. car's not going to go anywhere. I had a stick shift pulled in. I always put it in first and set the emergency brake. Didn't do either. Jumped out of the car. Car was in neutral. You know what happens next. That cold hand of the Lord saying, dude, going in the wrong direction. Corner of my eye, I see the car start to roll down the parking lot. Terror grips my soul. Being a good athlete at that time, I ran and caught up with the car. Grabbed the door handle just as it hit the curb, praising God for that curb. But in those days, even little cars weighed thousands and thousands of pounds. And momentum is a powerful force. And the car didn't stop at the curb. The car leaped over the curb. And surprisingly, even though I had the door handle in my hand, it ripped it out of my hand, and the car went down an embankment and into a busy intersection. I know I'm awful, yes. Praise God no one was in that intersection at that moment. I ran down the hill, got in the car, and drove away. <laughs> I did not go out with a girl. Yeah, praise God. <laughs> That's only the only dating story I have in my whole life until I met Julie. That's the only one I have. Um, I got the message. I got the message. Are you getting the message? No, God doesn't always send a storm when you're on your way to Tarshish. But sometimes he does. And it's grace that causes him to do that. You may be trying to stay afloat in a storm that you need to just turn around from. Calls us to go to Nineveh to make him known. You may say, well, Steve, how do I do that? Well, some of you were here uh, Friday night. We saw the movie Overcomer, praise God. It was a great movie, had a good crowd. And uh, we saw it portrayed really well in that movie, the following. If you'll just pay attention. And care enough the opportunities that God gives you to help people, to love them enough. And in the story, uh, the coach and his wife helped this girl connect with her father, even though she was a thief. And through the team of the school, she actually comes to Christ. Why? Because they were paying attention and they cared. God is putting opportunities in front of you all the time if we just pay attention and we care. Last week, we hunted out a card, and you can still uh, get that card if you'd like. Just email us. But here's, here's the thing. There's four easy ways to go to Nineveh. Choose a person you want to reach, right? Choose one person, one person. I want to reach this person. I want to make God known to them, right? I just want to do that one thing. 
maybe a person who's very far from God. Or say, the other thing you can do is say, I need some more training to go to Nineveh. I need some, listen, Timothy Initiative is still available. We have about 30 people in it right now, plus there's probably 40 plus in it right now. So, you know, I want to I know the basics of how I share my faith and how I can reproduce a disciple, how I can disciple someone on this journey. Um, also, thirdly, you can share on social media who Jesus is. You can share the posts from our church. You can check in. You can do those things. And you can also be a part of our outreach events that we have. We have another movie night come out February 29th. It's 28th, 29th. It's, it's named at our little friend's uh, parents and families, and you can come out there and get to know those people. I, mean, I don't know those people. They're weird. Listen, everybody's weird except for those of us who are here today. Amen? <laughs> Everybody, we don't know. Listen, just out, show up. Pay attention. Listen. Listen. Go to Nineveh. And finally, you can say, you know what, Steve? I, I need to serve. I need to serve. I want to go to Nineveh by helping this church make disciples. We have tons of entry-level positions that are very simple. They're only, some of them, you only have to show up every five weeks. Surely, you could do that. Are you on your way to Nineveh? Or are you on your way to Tarshish? Make him known in Nineveh. Commit today, I want to make him known in Nineveh. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.